0: Hey there, welcome to the tent. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Do you ever get off on some tangent in the hobby and just keep researching something that you either have, I don't know, like a hunch about or just become flat out obsessed with? Well, I have just such a strange obsession going on. And I've shared it with you over the last couple years or three years or so. It has to do with live bearing fishes, specifically ones from blackwater habitats. Yeah, I have no idea what my obsession with this is, but I can't let go of the idea of some wild live bearer that can be found naturally occurring in blackwater habitats. And if you're a fan of this blog, and I know maybe two or three of you might be, you're well aware of my absurd obsession with this. And as you know, other than some guppies or the occasional molly, I've never really been a big live bearer guy. I could scarcely even identify anything other than the big three, you know, guppies, mollies, platies. I mean, really, maybe a few Gambusia or some others, but whatever. Uh, Irrelevant fact, though, I did have a Zugonectis tequila once. I got this fish in an auction at a fish club or a big, kind of a major fish event, not knowing that it was like an endangered species. Just, it just, I liked the name and it looked kind of interesting at the time. It's actually kind of an ugly fish between you and I, but regardless, it was an interesting fish. Turned out it's endangered, so I kind of bred some and gave them... Gave it to my friend who is much more of an experienced fish guy than I am when it comes to breeding exotic live bears and so forth. But anyway, I have this obsession and I know it's really weird and I can't let it go. Like, why am I so obsessed? Well, blackwater live bears. Now, I know there have been transplanted species that have found you know their way to all sorts of places around the tropical world, but I'm still trying to find examples or an example of a species native to Blackwater habitat. I don't care if the fish is gray, chromatically uninspired, or just plain dull. I just think it would be cool to find one that could be biologically appropriate for one of our Blackwater Botanical Method Aquariums. Am I being childish or unreasonable here? I don't know. I mean, perhaps, but, you know, long ago I gave up that fantasy of there somehow being like a, a, you know, bright red uh, black ghost knife fish that's like three inches or whatever and just made peace with the original one. So I think I'm good with the universe at this point. It is interesting, to say the least, to think about these things. One of the things I learned a long time ago is that in doing some of the necessary homework on such an endeavor, you inevitably stumble on some fishes that you think are viable candidates, only to be just schooled by fish base, experts, or other references that just dash your hope along the way. It's no different with this search. However, rather than utilize only hobbyist-level resources, this time, I went to the dusty halls, metaphorically speaking, of course, of the scholarly ichthyological world. If you recall my previous searches for the half-mythical Amazon molly, the fish with this most you know tantalizing name, we researched the crap out of it only to find out that the Amazon part of the common name was because it's of its unique reproductive strategy, not its natural origin. That totally took the metaphorical air out of my sails, as they say. And I didn't come up too disappointed this time. I actually found some genera, which may actually be non-coastal, confined, non-brackish water fishes. It's a start, at least. Now, lest you get too excited that there is a super colorful live bear out there which lives in black water and has somehow evaded the hobby and all of the famous live bear experts for the last century, let me just burst your bubble right now, okay? Most of these fish are, in no particular order, gray, <laughs> not typically found in the hobby, really obscure... And oh, did I mention gray? That being said, I have a few that do intrigue me for some reason. My first target genus is called Fluvophylax, which contains five described species, not one of which anyone who is not a native fisherman, lifetime member of the American Library Association, or doesn't have the letters PhD after his or her name has even heard of, let alone seen. These are are rather interesting fishes distinguished by, like, really large, at least relative to their body size, almost creepy looking eyes, the absence of a, a gonopodium in the males, and the usual complete lack of color, seemingly, un- or seemingly common to pretty much every obscure fish in the world. And despite those creepy eyes and its complete lack of anything resembling color, They're tantalizing to me because the genus is apparently endemic to the Amazon and Orinoco region, including habitats like lakes, swamps, and floating meadows. Appropriately, the first species listed in the genus is Fluvophylax obscurum, which drew me in from the start, and its native range is listed as, wait for it, Upper Rio Negro Basin. Ooh, that's interesting, right? Of course, that's a big geographic area, and just because it's in the region doesn't mean it's all decomposing leaves and dark soupy water. That being said, some references have it listed pretty far inland, well into Blackwater country, so yeah. Maddeningly, no reference I could find to any type localities mentioned the specific water chemistry of the collection sites. However, one cool thing is its diet, which always makes me smile. The diets described as autothonous macroalgae, or microalgae and detritus and allothonous invertebrates. We all know what that means, right? Yeah, music to my ears. So i got to find me some of these fish. Now, interestingly, I was told by some people that are definitely in the know about this stuff that fluvophylax is actually considered an egg-laying killifish. So I guess my information might be flawed or misrepresented, and this wouldn't be the first time, of course. We may have to take this one out of the live bear category after all. And, of course, one hardcore you know, scientific paper I stumbled on provided all sorts of chromosomal analytics and stuff way over my pay grade but couldn't clarify this for me, at least not in English. In fact, the discussion section included this beautiful line. It says, and I quote, All species but the type, Fluvophylax pygmaeus, have been described in the late 1990s and much remains unknown about the biology, taxonomy, and systematics of this group of fishes. That's real helpful, right? I mean, like, what the hell? (laughs) Regardless, this is an unusual species of Sopranodont, or whatever the hell it is. Now, my next candidate group has to be the genus Pamphoricthes. Now, this genus contains six described species, all of which look like, well, how could I say it nicely? They look like but ugly wild mollies. Of course, 75% of the people outside the live geek community would immediately tell you that. All wild mollies are kinda ugly, right? So I'm staying out of that debate. But regardless, and interestingly, they are more closely related to mollies than any other type of live bearer, So even with my relative lack of knowledge about mollies, maybe I'm onto something here. They are true, undisputed live bears, which is cool. And the interesting part about these fishes, again, is their range. The genus name means fertile fish, which might tell you something here. In addition to the Amazon, Orinoco, and Guyana region, its members are found in the Tapajos and the Jingu. Habitats that, although not really blackwater, are kind of on the softer, acidic target range, right? Ones we've played with before. Getting closer, right? One type locality mentioned for a species uh, P. hasmani, is Paraguay River drainage. Also kind of close to what we're thinking about water-wise, I mean, maybe perhaps the typical pH of the Paraguay River is 5.8 to, of course, 7.4 in the upper part and 6.3 to 7.9 in the lower part of the river. So it's like all over the freaking place. And that still doesn't narrow in on that soft acidic blackwater stuff, but It's in that range, and of course, the Paraguay River ranges from being described as sediment-rich water to clear. I mean, pics I've seen of this river look brown, but whatever. However, again, no exact mention of black water, specifically as respects to the habitat of this fish, is in any of the research I've found so far. Yeah, that's annoying, right? Gut punch. And then we have a species, Alfaro- called Tretis, which hails from Costa Rica, Panama, and Nicaragua, and is supposedly found in creeks, streams, and other waters with an average pH of 6.8 and a hardness of around 5 degrees uh, uh, German hardness. It's a fish that is kept in the hobby and even has a common name, the knife live bear. I know a number of live bear specialists who swear this species does better and looks better in, wait for it, softer, more acidic water, particularly its reddish highlights in the scales and fins. No, seriously. If you look at this fish, even though it's gray, it, it has some, and it does have a certain look that would make it fit in with those flashier fishes. Again, sort of molly-like, but just a little different. Could this be our baby? It could be our best match yet. I mean, FishBase has this intriguing passage. I will read to you about the species. Inhabits water waters. Excuse me. Of low to moderate velocity between zero and three hundred meters elevation. Lives on in creeks of more than 0.5 meters deep in ditches and near shorelines of large rivers generally swims in small groups at a depth of 20 centimeters insectivorous the young eat mainly aquatic insects and the adults feed specifically on terrestrial insects one collection locale was listed as a rapidly flowing rainforest stream intriguing? absolutely perfect fit? hell no I mean rainforest stream could be anything right? I think I'm likely really trying to fit a square peg in the proverbial round hole, but it shows you the depth an obsessed guy will go to. The reality is that many of the libraries encountered in the trade and often in the wild were introduced from other areas. Because of their adaptable nature, you're likely to see and find them in a huge array of habitats from brackish water to soft acidic water. However, it seems to me that most of the species come from more coastal locales and Water might be colored through silt and mud as opposed to black water that geeks like me are fascinated with. So inevitably, after all this tedious research, I've once again found that there are tons of cool, often obscure live bears that we can keep in our brackish water tanks as well. So all is not lost. I found some new candidates for that. There's always something cool to think about, right? Inevitably, some live bearer fan out there somewhere will have some tips for me, like likely sounding something sort of like reminiscent of, Stay the fuck out of this shit, Filman. You don't understand these fishes, your research is flawed, and you're fantasizing here, you know, something like that. Uh, and look, it may be simply that there are no truly blackwater live bears. I mean, there are other similar fishes which could satisfy my obsession and, you know, hello, rivulous, but I have this thing about finding some live bears that fit the profile here. Now, there is a fish called the Campona guppy that sometimes we find in potentially in blackwater streams and curiously enough there uh, are some pictures of live bears in tinted water in uh, Ivan Mikulji's book about fishes of the Orinoco um, underwater you know that that had some interesting intrigue to it as well and I know there's probably some guy out there who probably found a group of endlers live bears that were released into a blackwater pond in Florida or something and but that's not what we're talking about we need something naturally found in this type of habitat. It's out there. I'll bet it is. I mean, there must be one out there, swimming contentedly in some tannin-stained black water somewhere in South America, or perhaps not. Either way, it's been fun looking to some, for something that likely doesn't really exist. It's the kind of fish geek stuff that makes you, well, a fish geek, right? Yeah, it sure does, and I'm sure fish geek. Perhaps a stubborn, delusional, obsessed with the wrong thing one, but a fish geek through and through. And I own a company that sells twigs and nuts to other fish geeks. This is pretty good. My advice to you, as if you need it, be a geek. Follow your weird obsessions, whatever they might be, and don't be afraid to share them. Stay obsessive, stay relentless, stay curious, stay diligent, stay passionate. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tent Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Ten.